Please remain standing for our scripture reading this morning. It comes from the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 3 through 9. Let us listen to the word of God with our ears, our minds, and our hearts. Matthew 13, 3 through 9. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. Well, today we're not necessarily in a series. We begin a new series next week. And so they said to me, hey, you can speak about whatever you want to speak about. It's a dangerous thing to do with Trevor Miller. But I'm excited to do it this morning. And um, I want to tell you kind of where this message has come from. Um, you know, my wife, I love to uh, get her things throughout the week just to remind her that I love her. And, you know, when I, when I think about them, the, the one thing I don't do is I do not get cut flowers. It's just my own thing. I mean, if you do that, it's totally cool. I, it's not, I, I have a hard time like paying money for flowers that are dying. And so when I buy them and I bring them to her, it's like, hey, here, hopefully they'll last a little bit. And so I just have a hard time with that. So we have begun this thing where I buy her an orchid now. So whenever, whenever like there's a, an appropriate time, I'll buy her an orchid and the orchid comes home. And then that way, if it dies, it's on her hands. You know, that's, that's her thing. And so we've gone through some orchids in our day because uh, the Miller family, we're not exactly like the greatest green thumbs in the world. And so we've gone through some orchids and when that one goes, I make sure to replenish it with a new one. And we're going pretty strong on the one we have right now. So I'm, I'm anxious to see how that turns out. But what I've found in my life, and maybe you found in your life too, is that um, um, God, he grows things, you know? God, God has a green thumb. And what I've found in my life, and working with students for 11 years here, is that is that God is not in a hurry on some things, but God certainly is at work in a lot of things. And so what I've found in my life is just like um, Jenna hopefully can keep these things alive with her green thumb, I've found that God does amazing work in our life when we have uh, the proper things in place. And, and so this morning, what I want to talk about this morning is I want to talk about the way that God grows in, in us and through us. I want to talk about the kind of growth that God desires, I believe, to do in your life this morning, specifically here, right now, in these pews, no matter who you are, no matter where you've come from. So I want to pray for us really quick, and we're going to jump into our passage for this morning. If you would, bow with me. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this moment and this opportunity that you've given us to gather together. We thank you for the grace and the mercy that you extend to us every single morning. We thank you that it's new for us today. No matter who we are today, God, no matter what we've come from, the good times, the bad times, the the rough times and the smooth times, God, we thank you that in the midst of all of it, I believe, God, you're trying to grow within us. So help us today, God, to see that afresh and anew. We thank you for your love for us, God. We want to love you back. We want you to move in us and through us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. 
Now, if you're anything like me, there's probably a certain place or a certain time or a certain activity that when you do it, you feel like you come alive. Does that make sense? There's also probably some things, times, places, and activities that when you do them, you feel like you're going to die. Um, I live here in Lexington, and I love Lexington, but I live on a half acre, and um, I feel like sometimes when I wake up in the morning, like I, I die just a little bit every single day. Getting up, and there's a house right next to me on this side, there's a house right next to me on this side, I go out my backyard, I can see a house right behind me, and so forth, and some of you are like, what's, what's wrong with that? For me, it's just not working. So I feel like every day, there's probably a little bit of residue that's left over from when, as a kid, I grew up on a, on a farm in Indiana. And so I'd be able to go out and not see a house for a while. I could go play in the woods and play in the dirt and do all these kinds of things. And so probably somewhere within me, there's a little residue for that. And so when I get up in the morning, I don't quite feel the same sometimes. And so sometimes I've got to get out of here every once in a while just to feel alive again, because sometimes it's a little rough. So this past weekend, my wife was a part of the IF gathering here um, at the church. She did an amazing job, by the way. I'm so proud of her. And um, she, was a, she was here for the, the past two days, and so I decided it was a chance for me to escape. And so me and uh, my two boys went out to my parents' farm. We owe 16 acres out by Batesburg-Leesville, another 23 not far from there. And so it was a chance for us to get away and go spend a whole day and a half um, out there on the farm. And for me, it was a breath of fresh air to get out there and spend time. So we drove tractors while we were out there. Actually, everything you can drive, we drove in the past day and a half out at the farm. My son has a little plug-in gator, John Deere gator, that he drove everywhere in the yard. Um, we were building fences, and so he would actually drive into the barn. We'd put a bag of concrete in the back. He'd drive it out there, and so he made five bucks during the day working really hard. And we had an awesome, awesome time. And we, we caught a fish, his first fish he's ever caught out at the pond. And there's something about that makes me feel alive once again. And I think it's from growing up again. My dad and my grandfather were farmers. And so I remember as a kid that when they would come home from the field, my grandmother would have a meal on the table and we would come together. And my, my dad and my grandpa would walk in. They'd smell like diesel fuel. And they'd walk in and sit at the table. Sometimes my grandpa wouldn't even wash his hands. His hands would be dirty and grimy and some dirt on there and look rough and kind of manly. I remember watching them eat that meal and spend time like that. And there was something about being outside like that all day long. My grandfather is 80-something years old now, and there's still, every time I see him, a little bit of earth underneath his fingernails, you know? And it just feels right. I mean, to me, it feels primal. It feels productive. It feels refreshing to get my hands in the earth every once in a while. I don't do it as much as I want to. I'd like to do it more. And these days, uh, farming is actually kind of a trendy endeavor, you probably have read books about it. There's blogs all about it. This urban farming. There's magazines dedicated to it. HGTV is all over it. It's kind of a trendy thing right now. There are probably families that you know of in town, or maybe you are one of these families who have a little house in the backyard, not for your kids to play with, play in, but to have chickens that live inside of. So you can get up in the morning and walk out and get fresh eggs instead of going to the store and buying some. Or maybe you have like a, ra a raised uh, bed in your yard for fruits or vegetables that you plant and experiment with. I think the reason we do this, and this is such a big thing right now, is because somewhere inside of us, our society, we, we miss these bygone days of getting out and doing work with our hands and having them in the dirt and being connected to nature in this kind of intimate way. As you read scripture, the writers of scripture were very, very connected to the things I've just described to you. Most of them lived in an agrarian society, and they spoke often with um, um, architects or agricultural language to convey deep truths about their relationship with God, something they wanted to convey to those that were listening. They were well acquainted to what it was looked like to have to grow your own food to provide for your family or to be able to sell and make money. And if you weren't growing these things, you were certainly um, relying upon vegetation for your animals to continue to survive. So they knew everything about what I just described to you. What has been happening for a long time, but experts tell us in 1950s really picked up as global urbanization. 
folks moving away from the rural areas and into towns and into cities. If you look around Lexington, you'll see a lot more neighborhoods popping up as people move into this town and this city. Experts tell us by 2050, 86% of the developed world will live in a non-rural setting. 86%. And what this means is, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but as close as we get connected to the earth sometimes is going to buy a load or buy a head of lettuce. Maybe a bag of apples. Or maybe if we're fancy, we go to Publix. That was a joke. <laughs> and, and sometimes I'm afraid when this is the kind of life and the kind of culture that we live within, I think sometimes we miss out on the deep spiritual truths that are trying to be conveyed to us through Scripture because maybe we don't understand the context in which these people are speaking. And Jesus specifically uses agricultural illustrations often to communicate the truths about God's relationship to us and the kind of love that he has for us. In fact, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is teaching a large crowd of people. We heard it read earlier um, just a few minutes ago. And as Jesus is teaching this crowd of people, the Bible says that he gets into a boat and he pushes out away from shore as the crowds gather around him. And he speaks from the boat across the water. That'd be the way to do it. And as the crowds gather in, they listen to him speak and teach them. And the Bible says in verse 11 that he's teaching them in parables. Now, a parable was simply a fictitious story that easily could be real life. And it was a story that we, the listeners, were meant to find themselves in some kind of way or another. Maybe you've heard the story of the prodigal son, another parable. Who are you within the story, and what can you learn about yourself as you identify yourself in the parable that's being told? And so Jesus begins to teach them, and he begins to teach them using these parables and these stories. And he tells a story about this farmer who goes out into his field. In chapter 13, verse 3, the Bible says this, A farmer went out to sow his seed. Here's how the story begins. Now again, every person who would have been listening would have understood what Jesus was saying here when he explains about a farmer who goes out with some seed to plant in the field. Now the seed is the most important piece of the entire story. It happens all throughout the story. It's extremely valuable. And in a single seed is encapsulated everything that's needed for a certain promise. Within a seed is all the necessary pieces for life. A seed is full of potential. And when a seed is planted, potentially it can produce life. And so again, for every person that's listening here, they understand this. They get this, that for this farmer, this was essential to his life, his livelihood, to provide for his family, to, to sell, to make money. And so as this farmer goes out to plant the seed and sow the seed, it's important that this seed takes root and actually grows. Now for a lot of us, when we think about farming, we think about a tractor and a plow and a disc or a, or a drill of some kind going into a field. But in the ancient Near East, the way this took place is a farmer literally would have a satchel full of seed. He'd walk out to the field and place his hand inside of the seed and he would sow it, broadcast it as far as he could to make sure he covered as much land as possible. Because again, every single seed has a potential for growth. Every single seed has a potential for life, has a potential for a harvest. And so the farmer would go out and, and scatter the seed as far as he could. The first house I owned here in Lexington, I had a, a piece of grass in the front yard that, um, well actually, a lack there of grass in my front yard. Because oftentimes people would come, they would park in that particular area. And the more they parked there, the more the grass began to die and it became just kind of a sandy area. Now, at one point in time, I wanted to sell my house, and I realized my house is not going to sell looking like this. So more times than I'd like to admit, I went to Lowe's or Home Depot, bought a bag of, of seed, and I would go home, and I would put my hand in the seed, I would broadcast it over that particular area. I would water it like crazy. The problem was I didn't realize the reason it wasn't growing is because people were parking there. So, of course, I'd plant the seed, I'd water it, people would park again. 
And I think I sold the house still looking like that. This is the way this would have happened for this farmer. His hope was placed in the seed that he was broadcasting, that he was throwing out. And what I love about this story is the farmer has no concern for where this seed falls. He just throws it. He just broadcasts it. He, he puts it out as far as he possibly can, hoping that every single seed that is full of potential, that is full of life, will actually take root and will grow. Now, if you're a listener to this story in the ancient Near East in the time of Jesus telling this, you would have been shocked by what took place next. Because again, you know that this farmer is totally dependent upon the seed that he is throwing and the seed that he's casting right now. Matthew chapter 13 The Bible says this, after Jesus tells this story about a farmer going out to broadcast the seed, he tells a story about where this seed falls. He says, first, some of the seed falls upon a beaten path. Now this place was a place that people would have walked. It would have been a place to tread, not a place to grow things. And it would have been packed so hard that the seed never would have a chance to grow any kind of root. In fact, Jesus says this seed that falls on this particular piece of land is eaten by birds and never has a chance to produce any kind of life. It's full of potential, but it produces nothing. The second place the seed falls is dirt, which is good, and the seed actually takes root and begins to grow, but it's full of rocks. So the roots only go down a little ways, so when the sun comes up, it scorches the plant and it dies. Maybe you're familiar with this. And Jesus said this is the second place that the seed falls. The third place that the seed falls, Jesus says, is it falls in dirt as well, it begins to grow, which is good, but the problem is there's something else growing there as well. There's weeds and thorns, and as they grow up together, the thorns actually choke out the life from the seed that's been sown. But Jesus says there's one more place where seed falls. And he says after it's fallen in these three areas, it falls in one last place, and Jesus calls it good soil. Good soil. He says when it falls on this particular soil, the seed takes root. It grows strong. He says, in fact, this seed produces 160 and 30 times what is sown. And in the very end of this passage in verse 9, Jesus ends it by saying, if you have ears to hear, let him hear. As if Jesus is saying, the words I've just spoken to you, this parable, this story that I've just given you is full of meaning. It's full of significance. Don't miss it. If you have ears to hear, let them hear. So Jesus tells this story, and there's a lot of confusion with everybody's listening. In fact, the disciples themselves are even confused, and so they ask questions of Jesus. The disciples come to Jesus and ask him to explain the parable and the story that he's just, he's just told. And so Jesus does just that. And first, he starts with the most important part of the story, and it's the seed. Jesus explains that the seed is the good news of the gospel that is sown into people's hearts. The seed that is sown that the farmer throws is the good news of the gospel that's given to people. And just like the seed that we described earlier, it is full of potential. This gospel and this truth about Jesus is loaded with life. And though it starts as a small seed, it can grow into something much, much larger. I want to be very clear with you this morning. When we come here and gather on a Sunday morning, we don't do this because we have nothing else to do with our life. Believe me, I'd rather get some sleep. We do this because we believe the good news that's found within Scripture and the time spent with one another is an opportunity for us to experience the grace and the mercy and the good news of Jesus Christ. And so if you're here this morning, what's happening right now is the, the seed is being sown. You're hearing it with your ears. It's falling upon your hearts. And we gather in this kind of way. I am humbled to even talk about a parable that Jesus expresses to those who are listening. 
because I know the potential that exists within the words that we're saying. So whether it's in a conversation with a friend, or you see it in a movie, or you hear it in a song, wherever you experience the grace and the good news of Jesus, it's a seed that's being sown within your life. You need to listen. You need to let it take root. When I was six or seven years old, I could take you right now to a place in Dayton, Indiana, middle of nowhere, Indiana, farmland, go into the old sanctuary, which is now the student room. Sound familiar? And in that place, I could walk you up front and show you the place where I knelt down. I gave my life to Jesus. And the message that I heard that day was the same message I'd heard for a long time. I grew up with in the church. I'd seen Jesus on flannel graph from the time I can remember. I've sang songs about him. I knew all of this information, but for some reason, when I heard it that day, it did something to my heart. It took root in a, in a different kind of way. And I gave my life to Jesus, and my life's been transformed ever since. It's been a slow process, but didn't I tell you, God has a green thumb, and he grows things, and it's grown in my life. You see, throughout this parable, the thing that remains the same the entire time is the seed. The seed never changes. The seed is full of potential. The seed is full of life. has the same ability to produce a crop as any other one. But the problem is, within the story, some places the seed fall, it takes root. And some places where the seed falls, it does nothing. Here's what I see from this story. It is not about the seed. It's about the soil. It's not the seed that's the problem. It's the soil that's the problem. The effectiveness of the seed depends solely upon the place in which it lands as it's thrown from the farmer. As it's sown into life, the soil condition determines the factor of which the seed has an outcome. Some soil is hard. And when it falls there, it can't take root and grow. Some soil has rocks, and it keeps the root from growing deep. And some soil has thorns, and it keeps it from producing a crop. But there is one type of soil that does produce life. It's good soil. It's fertile soil. I've worked with students here at the church for over 11 years now, which makes me feel old. And in working with students, I've had multiple conversations over and over again where I've asked a simple question. I mean, do you want to grow in your relationship with God? I've had conversations with folks sitting in this room where we've had the same conversation. Do you want God to grow in your life in some kind of way? I've answered the question myself. Do I really want God to grow in my life in some kind of way? And the truth is almost every single time the answer is the same. Yes, of course I do. But here's what I've found in my life. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes the growth doesn't take place, and my question becomes, why? And I think Jesus answers this for us. He begins to show us why the growth doesn't take place. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, Jesus begins to explain to the disciples the meaning of this parable. He says, first, when people hear the message, speaking about the, the, the beaten ground, the hard ground, about the kingdom, and do not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. So the first piece of soil that Jesus describes, as the farmer sows the seed, it falls on a beaten path. Jesus describes a kind of heart that is a hardened heart. He describes the kind of heart that when it hears the good news of Jesus, it does nothing but ignore it. When it hears conviction come within its life, it, it pushes it away. The feel here is of a person who knows and who hears the truth, but makes a conscious decision not to do anything about it. 
It's not just that we ignore it, but it's that we actually push it away. We're unconcerned with the things of God. And when the truth of the gospel comes and lands in this area on this kind of heart, the heart is hard. Maybe you've experienced this within your life. When you've heard the things of God that's been discussed around you, probably more times than you'd like to admit, but you decide to ignore any kind of given guidance given to your life. This person doesn't understand God's work within their life, not because of ignorance, but because of disregard. And when this happens, this is a very uh, dangerous place to be. Because what can happen is your heart can become calloused. It can become hard. I played guitar, not in a long, long time. And when I started playing guitar as a 16-year-old kid, what I found is when I pushed my fingers on the strings to play the guitar, what would happen? It would hurt. And sometimes I play guitar for so long, trying to get better and better and better, that eventually I couldn't play the next day because my fingers would hurt so bad. But eventually, the longer I played, the longer I did it, guess what would happen? My fingers developed callous. And the more callous it became, the easier it was to play guitar. But the problem was, I also lost sensitivity in the ends of those fingers. Because it became so, so hard, so calloused. This is the same thing that I think that happens within our life too often. If we hear God speak to us, if we hear the good news of Jesus and we push it away too often, eventually we begin to no longer hear it. We become callous to it. We develop a hardened heart towards it. And as Jesus describes, a hardened heart is a barren wasteland. Someone with a hardened heart for whatever reason is very difficult for the things of God to grow. In fact, Jesus says they can't take root. And what happens is Satan comes along and will steal that truth as soon as it comes down. The first type of heart that Jesus discusses, as I said, is a dangerous one. Maybe you're familiar with conviction and we've ignored it. And the scary part is eventually you don't feel it anymore at all. And this outcome, when the seed falls here, it's stolen away. So maybe for some of us, I feel like maybe the thing we have to do is we have to begin to break up the ground once again. Maybe this morning what you have to do is come to God and say, God, listen, I want to feel something again. Would you break my heart for the things that break your heart? Would you show me the places in my life that I have long forgotten or pushed to the side or ignored altogether? Matthew chapter 13, Jesus goes on to describe the next place that these, place, these seeds have fallen in. 13, 20 through 21. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to people who hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. As the farmer sows once again, some of them fall on soil, but in a rocky soil. It begins to grow a bit short little roots, but when the sun comes up, it scorches the plant and it kills it. This is unfortunately what I've seen most of the time within the church, including in my own life, where people get excited about God. Maybe God does something great, or they go as a student on a mission trip or some kind of experience, and you have what's called a spiritual high, and, and you get excited about Jesus, but, but there's all these rocks that still exist within your life, these things that you've not quite taken out. And so because of that, the roots don't grow very deep. And what often happens when something difficult comes along your faith withers. When I was in high school, my dad worked for an individual right down the road from us. And I don't know if you knew, but Nick Cunningham and I, Pastor Nick and I went to school together in, in Indiana. Explains a lot, doesn't it? And um, I remember one day my dad came to Nick and I said, hey, listen, there's this guy. He's got a couple acres down the road and he wants all the rocks and sticks and everything taken out of it so he can, he can put some grass down and he can grow something nice there. We're like, oh yeah, no problem. My dad said, hey, listen, I'll pay you a hundred bucks a piece. I'm like, done. hundred dollars in my day? 
that was worth it. So we decided we would do this. So Nick and I, t- we took the tractor down to that particular area, and we had a rake on the back of the tractor. And so um, we began to kind of drag this rake all around the acreage to find all the rocks. The problem was, every time we went around in a circle, guess what would happen? More rocks would come up. And more stuff would come up. So we had to stop often. And we'd pick up all, I let Nick pick all the big ones up because they were very heavy. I got the smaller ones. And we started filling the bucket of this tractor. And we filled bucket after bucket after bucket. And we'd go dump it on a part of the property off to the side. And then we'd rake it again. And sure enough, every time we'd rake it, more rocks would come up once again. We did this forever. So I remember coming to my dad and be like, Dad, this is, this is not worth it. And dad's like, well, you got to do it anyway. We got to get these rocks out of here. So I think we're back for a second day to do it once again. We were there for a long, long, long time. We started making games out of it because we just couldn't even like, keep ourselves straight anymore. So finally we said, dad, I'm done. I'm not doing any more. Unfortunately, the man wasn't very happy because there were still actually more rocks in the, in the property than probably were before because we dug them all up as we went around and around in circles. And the truth is, without having those rocks out of that particular area, something was not going to grow. I don't know about you. I've experienced this within my life. It seems like the more I dig down, the more I find new things that kind of can hinder me from growing in my relationship with God. And for some of us, we are so eager to grow in our relationship with God or to do something different, we don't even want to deal with them. But if you don't deal with them, according to this passage, our roots will never grow deep. And when difficulty comes, someone gets sick, someone doesn't make it, there's a tragedy of some kind, you lose status or popularity, what ends up happening is your faith withers. Because it doesn't have the longevity from deep roots that have grown deep. A troubled heart produces shallow roots, Jesus says. These stones, these troubled times, we can't make it through when we don't have deep roots. Then Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, describes the next piece of soil. It says, The seed falling among the thorns refers to people who hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The farmer sows once again, and the seed falls in this location. On dirt once again, it begins to grow, but there's other things growing there as well. And unfortunately, those things left to grow, as they get bigger, they choke out the good news of Jesus Christ within your life. Jesus describes it in two different ways. He says, the worries of the world, the things that we concern ourselves with, that in the end probably really don't matter. And then secondly, the deceitfulness of money. It's interesting that he mentions that as two things that will choke out what God is trying to do within our life. Again, after spending time with students for many years to this church, I've seen students get really excited about Jesus. I've seen them read their Bible. I've seen them serve. I've seen them get involved in godly community. I've seen them go on mission trips only to watch their passion fizzle in some kind of way because of a distraction that still exists within their life. Yesterday, I took my boys on an adventure out to our 23 acres. And on that acreage, there's a, a certain part of it that is overgrown with thorns and briars everywhere. Now, my dad was with me, so I can blame it on him too, but there was no women around to tell us we shouldn't do this. So we walked down, and we drove down to this little area, and I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old. We decided to venture into this, this pile of nasty to see what we could find. Now, they were excited. They had boots on. There was mud everywhere, so they were stomping around. But I forgot Owen was so short. So as we started to go in there, these, these thorns began to grab his arms and, and, and rip his skin. And I turned around, and I thought, my wife is going to kill me. But we kept going. So we went deeper into this, this particular area. You've got to watch out for these thorns and these briars because the green ones, they aren't quite as sharp as they get bigger and they get hard. Those, those thorns are extremely sharp. So sure enough, we got in as far as we could possibly go. And I remember getting in there with my dad and my boys. I remember looking around just thinking to myself, this place would be so beautiful in here right now if it wasn't for this stuff. This place would be perfect if it wasn't for these thorns. 
And the problem with going so deep in an area like that is that you have to get back out. So slowly but surely, we made our way back out. We put a couple band-aids on for my son. He looked like he got scratched up by a cat. My wife didn't ask any questions, so so far I'm good. It'll probably happen when I get home. And so perhaps in your heart, you've experienced seed in your life in this kind of way. I mean, it's taken root in your life. It's started to grow, but along the way, you've found other things to, to give your affections and your desire and your attention to. And though you're excited about God, you're also excited about everything else. And so the allure of riches that takes you in or being popular or the obsession with this website or the obsession with sports teams or this particular hobby or this particular recreation, and you, in, in the end, value these things more than you value your relationship with God or others. And these things begin to receive all the time and attention until slowly but surely it chokes out whatever God is trying to do within your life. Jesus lists these three types of soil. And the seed falls in every single area, but in all three of these areas, it doesn't grow to produce a harvest. It doesn't create any kind of crop. In the end, they die. But praise the Lord, he mentions one other type of soil. There's one final type. In Matthew 13, verse 23, he says this, But the seed falling on good soil refers to people who hear the word and understand it. This produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Jesus describes the disciples. He says there's one more type of soil, and it's called good soil. I don't know about you, but I want my heart to be good soil. I want my heart to be fertile soil, a place where the, where the good news of the gospel, the seed of the gospel can take root and can grow. What happens here that Jesus describes is something supernatural. It produces 160, 30 times more than what was sown. Most things I read said that an ancient Near East farmer was lucky to increase what he's sown by 20%. But Jesus says, no, no, no. What happens here with this farmer is something not natural. It's supernatural. It's something that only God can do. A fertile heart produces a harvest, according to Jesus. When your heart is good soil, when it's fertile soil, the good news of the gospel can take root. It can grow, and it can produce 10, 100, 60, 30 times more than what was sown. I remember watching my dad and my grandfather as a kid, and they spent more time preparing the soil than they ever did planting in the soil. You would plow it and disc it and work it over, and you'd fertilize. You had to get the soil just right. So when it was time for the seed to come, the soil was good soil, ready to grow and produce more than you could possibly expect or imagine. What they had to do is they had to break up the dirt. They had to turn it over, expose fresh soil for the seed that we planted there. Maybe that's time for you this morning. Maybe it's time to do something new to break up the dirt in some kind of way. Maybe it's time to get involved in some kind of godly community of some sort. Maybe it's time to actually crack the Bible and spend time reading the scriptures, to spend time in prayer, serving maybe in this church or in our community or go on a mission trip, something new. Or maybe this morning you simply need to sit down and say, God, I want to repent of these things within my life. Would you forgive me? Would you help me do something new and receive the grace of God within your life? You see, the fertile heart produces a harvest, not only in us, but also through us. When this farmer produces 160, 30 times, it's not just for him. It's for people around him. And when God grows in your life, it's not just for you. It's for those around you. 
What I love most about this story is that this farmer, he sows this seed liberally. He does not choose where the seed falls or it does not fall. Because if I was this farmer, I wouldn't want to waste anything. I'm not going to put it in this place. It's not going to grow there. I don't want to put it here or here. It's not going to grow there. I'm only going to put it in this place. But in this story, this farmer throws it everywhere. What this means for us this morning is this. The amazing truth is, if you are someone who has a hardened heart, this grace and this mercy and this good news of the gospel, it's for you. If this morning you have troubles so far that you can't see, this grace and this mercy, it's for you. Maybe this morning you have these thorns in your life, these other affections, these things that you love that take away from your relationship with God, this grace and this mercy today, it's for you. Because the farmer does not choose where the seed falls. He throws it everywhere, and it's for everyone. I'm confident that Jesus did not tell us this story if he did not believe that our soil could change in some kind of way. That if you have a hardened heart today, it doesn't have to remain hard. If you have stones in your life, you can begin to pick up stones and get them out and allow God to do the same. If you have thorns in your life, they can be pulled up. There's a chance for fertile, good soil where the gospel can take root and can grow and produce 160 and 30 times more than what was sown. I also believe that when Jesus tells us this story, he believes that the grace that God offers us is grace before grace. You can't earn it, but it's for you. It's allow it to take root in your life. I believe the first step in growing in God is recognizing that God's grace is for you whether you can see it or not. So this morning, maybe for too long, you've had a hardened heart for whatever reason. You've heard God speak into your life. You've pushed it away. You've ignored it. You've had no concern for the things of God. Today, that can change. Maybe for you, you've had all kinds of stones in your life and these troubles, and, and you feel like your roots are so shallow. That can change today. Maybe today you have these thorns in your life. You know you have these things, these vices, these things that attract your attention beyond your love and your desire for God. Those things can be taken out of your life. We can have good, fertile soil. There are things that I believe that we can do to create an environment where God can grow, and there are things that only God can do within our life. And I'm thankful for that. So my question today is simple for myself too. What is the soil condition of your heart today? What is the soil condition of your heart? Is it such that when this kind of thing happens, when you hear God speak to you in some kind of way, it can take root and it can grow? And if not, it's time for us to do what we can do so that God can do what only God can do. Would you this morning just take your hand and put it out in front of you just like this? I want you to, in your mind, just imagine a seed in your hand. With our eyes closed, I want to pray for us, and I want to pray that the seed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God that is here and present, the grace of God that is here for you would take root in your life and begin to grow. Would you bow with me? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you don't have an attitude like I have, and, and you offer grace and mercy to everyone, despite our past, despite who we are, despite what we will even do with it, God. So, Father, this morning, for every single person in this room, including myself, I thank you for the good news of Jesus. And I pray this morning, God, whatever, whatever condition of our heart, would you do the hard work, God, allow us to do the hard work as well of getting the rocks out, the thorns out, 
to break up the ground, to create an environment, God, where you can grow and produce a harvest in us and through us. Jesus, I thank you that that you never gave up on me, that you continue to extend your grace toward me. I know, God, if it can happen in my life, it can happen in any person's life in this room. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this story. I pray we would find ourselves somewhere within it today. Lord, we love you. And as we sing this final closing song right now, God, I pray that any person here this morning that feels like they want to have their heart changed, ready for growth, God, I pray they would come to this altar and do business with you this morning. Father, move in us and through us today. It's your name that we pray. We love you. Amen.